0: Greetings, Christian faith, Baptist church, disciples, saints of the Most High God. What an awesome God we serve, and we are so blessed to be able to join together and study God's word together. Uh, We are going to be iron, iron sharpening iron. Uh, Pray that the Holy Spirit will open up our hearts and minds uh, to what he has to uh, speak to us about, whether that's... uh, a rebuke or encouragement, however the Lord sends it, we receive it in Jesus' name. Let's let's go before the Lord in prayer. Father God, we thank you uh, for another opportunity to get into Your Word and hide it in our heart, um, that we may not sin against You. Hide it in our heart, uh, that we may be able to stand and have, been after done all, to keep on standing. Hide Your Word in our heart, that uh, we can. Um, be able to bless somebody else. So, Father, we uh, are just hungering and thirsting after you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Again, 1 Timothy chapter 2. We're going to read the scripture in just a a moment, Um, but I will be um, taking a little bit different approach because normally uh, we're starting the beginning of chapter 2, but I'm actually going to start midway, uh, through the chapter, probably starting at verse eight, and uh, and basically the reason reason for that is a from eight on, those are some difficult passages that I want to make sure that I cover, um, and as well as uh, my godmother who turned 104 in May. She passed away just last week, so I'll be going to uh, Boston. Um, to help funeralize her next uh, next week. So I'll probably not be here next Wednesday. So I just want to make sure that uh, whoever's going to teach next week, they're not tackling with the second part of this chapter. That's something that I, I wanted to be able to do. So that's kind of why we're starting midway through. So uh, just give God thanks and praise. Um, Brother Inman, if you could go ahead and read the entire chapter. Uh, 1 Timothy chapter 2. Yes, sir. Thank you.
1: Therefore, I exalt first of all the supplications, prayers, intercessions, and giving of thanks be made for all men, for kings and all who are in authority, that we may lead a quiet and peaceful life in all godliness and reverence. For this is good and acceptable in the sight of God our Savior who desires all men to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth. But there is one God and one mediator between God and men, the man Christ Jesus, who gave himself a ransom for all to be testified in due time, for which I was appointed a preacher, an apostle. I am speaking the truth in Christ and not lying a teaching of the Gentiles in faith and truth. I desire desire therefore that the men pray everywhere, lifting up holy hands without wrath and without doubt. In like manner also that the women adorn themselves in modest attire attire, with, with moderation not with braided hair or gold or pears or costly clothing, but which is proper for women professing godliness with good works. Let a woman learn in silence with all (laughs) submission. I do not permit a woman to teach or to have authority over a man, but to be in silence. For Adam was formed first, then Eve. And Adam was not deceived, but the woman being deceived fell into transgression. Nevertheless, she will be saved in childbearing if they continue in faith, love, holiness
0: with self-control. Amen. That was verse 15, correct? That was verse 15. Okay. Thank you. So... It's a lot in this particular chapter, and as I said, I'll be starting probably around verse eight, uh, in particular, maybe even in verse nine. Um, and especially verses nine through fifteen have been a source of contention and have been used as a, a deter- uh, as a tool um, to um, determine roles and responsibilities of of women in ministry. So we'll address some of that. And I will not be able to address all the various uh, views, but what I want to do is help us uh, with an approach of understanding this and other difficult verses. And so in order to do that, um, I'm going to first begin with what I'll call a crash course on hermeneutics, a crash course on hermeneutics. Hermeneutics is what uh, is the principles of interpretation. So, what is the, what are the lenses? What are the rules? What are the ways that we approach literature as a whole? But in this case, biblical literature. And so, um, just to use some 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 guidelines. So, for one of the guidelines, and there are, and I'm using um, uh, some information um, from what's called uh, apologetics. Uh, press, apologetics research. And so I'm going to use some of their works just to lay out some uh, guidelines that we look at when we're interpreting um, biblical passage. Um, One is the rule of definition. It's very important that when you look at the scripture, because we are reading uh, the Bible as a translation from the original language, so we have to figure out what is the, the definition of the word and then not only the, the definition, the second part of that is how it's used and it's used different ways in different um, settings, whether it's what they call classical Greek or the common language Greek. So you look out the definition and usage and so you have to also understand. So let, let me just stop there. So if I were to say um, something like, Deacon Brown, your glasses look really cool. Probably 100% of you would know that what I'm talking about is I'm, I'm talking about how wonderful they are, how good looking they are. Nobody would probably say, oh, her her uh, glasses, they must be pretty cold on her face. You know, so you understand how we use words can have different meanings. Um, and so that's kind of what you have to be able to do is have to understand the definition definition how it's used in its cultural context which is the next thing is what is the context in which it is given so I'll just stop with those three there are several more but just to get a give a kind of a baseline of what we'll be dealing with when we talk about the passages that that follow so I'm going to go back to verse 8 first Timothy chapter 2 verse 8. And this, uh, actually, I'll just quickly summarize before we, verses one through seven is talking about prayer. It's also given us a, a more of what I'll call the doctrinal basis of who Jesus is, and we'll be able to go back to that. But I want to start at verse eight, because that kind of begins um, some of the, the setting um, that Paul is getting at here. So Uh, Lloyd, if you're still on, can you please read verse eight again?
1: Certainly, sir. Thank you. I desire therefore that the men pray everywhere, lifting up holy hands without wrath or doubting.
0: Okay. So first, go ahead. That's it. it? Okay. Thank you. So the first part, obviously dealing with, he's dealing with the men. Um, and it can be used broader than that, meaning the people. Uh, so there's a couple of ways we have to figure out. And again, that's how when we look at context, is Paul speaking specifically to men? That's one of the things you, we kind of figure out. Or is he speaking men as in humanity? So whenever you're looking at scripture, you know, there are times when he's specifically talking about men, and there are other times when it could be generic as in humanity. So the first part, and, and it just from again, the other part is context. The context is he's the drilling first to the men and then to the women. So more than likely he's setting up because in that particular culture, men and women would have sat differently and have been different sections. So he's trying to look at the, the order and how things are in that particular culture. So what does he say? It is not to exclude that women aren't to worship, but this is who he's addressing. What does he tell them to do? To do what? Lift up holy hands. What does he mean by that? Men everywhere to do what? Pray, Pray. Lifting up holy hands, which means what? What do we do when we worship? So one of the things that they are talking about is how Paul is instructing them how they are to worship and present themselves before the Lord. So lifting up holy hands. There is a lot of other passages, primarily in the Old Testament, when you, when someone says lifting up holy hands. A, we do it like this from the Old Testament, but we, we it's carried over. Now we sing a song saying I surrender all. So one aspect of lifting up holy hands. You identify, we identify ourselves as surrendering to God. It's an act of submission or surrender. It's also indicating purity. It's almost saying, you know, look at, look at, I present myself before you as a clean vessel um, and, and ready to worship and give myself to you as what Paul says in Romans 12, a living sacrifice so we're offering ourselves up so he's teaching them how to approach themselves but but the next part it says without wrath or without anger and disputing that's an odd thing for them to put in there and it has to go back to chapter one and as other aspects why do you think that's in there well he was dealing with what false teachers divisions in the church so in other words he's saying when you present yourself before the lord do it in such a way that truly gives glory to god and all this contentious actions uh needs to be done away with because that is not pleasing to the lord so when we come before the lord we are presenting ourselves men especially in that culture it was um, that was the, a patriarchal society. So we're saying, in your responsibility, let's not bring about factions and contentions. And Think about what happened in the very beginning in the garden or after they came out of the garden. Cain and Abel in the midst of worship, what did what happened? It was fighting, jealousy, hostility. Look what ended up when that yeah. took place. And so we, when we present ourselves before the Lord and worship, we do it from a pure heart, not with all bringing all of our uh, divisions, um, backbiting, fighting. So we present ourselves in purity before the Lord in unity. And so he's addressing what's the issue that he's addressing. Remember what Paul said in the very first chapter, Timothy, I'm leaving you there To deal with the issues in Ephesus because of the false teachers. And this is another way that Paul is weaving that thought, even through this first part, you know, is what the Apostle John would say How can one say that he or she loves God and does not love his or her neighbor? So, this is all part of the worshiping experience in the community. We want you to pray, but here's how you're to present yourselves. Not with all this faction, not with all this division, because that is not God glorifying. This is how we give praise and honor to the Lord. So that's the first part. And you will. we have to link back to the very first verse because it's talking about prayer in general. Um, so before I continue, any questions or comments just on verse eight? Good, good stuff. Good stuff context, again, is very important. We looked at, you know, the definition, how use a word, um, the definition, how word is used, the context, um, and let me just speak another word about context, just in terms of you dig further into uh, how do, when you read the, the Bible, how do we look at context and what does it all mean? Uh, and you have to be very careful uh, when you talk about, I want to look at the context And then for some people, well, because the context was different, it doesn't really apply to us. And you have to be very careful when you come to that kind of conclusion, because again, back to hermeneutics, what principle are you using? How do you know which one is not applicable? So if you, for one person, well, that's not cultural, so we'll just throw it away. Another person says, well, that's just the the context there, we don't need to listen to that. And so you could get down to maybe one verse left uh, where it's in culture and context. You just have to be very careful when we talk about culture and context and dismissing it, but certainly you have to look at it in terms of what it means and how it's applied. And that's gonna be important in this next section about where he deals with next women. So what's the context that Paul is dealing with. So what do we know about Ephesus? You remember Acts chapter 19. What happened in Ephesus? There's a riot, right? Why was there a riot? Because people were coming to know the Lord. And what were they coming to know the Lord out of? They were worshipers of the goddess Artemis.
2: Mm.
3: Artemis,
0: so that's significant. That's part of looking at the the culture, and and that's part of the false teachings that Paul may have been dealing with. Let me just look. I have kind of a composite of different things that I've looked up in various commentaries, and so I'll just kind of quickly go over. It was the the belief system in Ephesus was a female-centered religion um, and that Artemis, or some would say Diana, but pretty much Artemis was worshiped as uh, the mother of the gods. That's one way that she was um, a pair. And it was again, women-centered. Another thing about it is, um, it was seen as that through the women, that's how the world was created. So it was their belief system was that the woman was created first and primary and men came later. And how, this is important because what is the biblical teaching of creation? And Paul will get to this in just a moment. Um, and so he's countering a theology or a belief system that was prevalent in that day, and that one it was uh, women-centered. It was also uh, one where the the their belief about creation was different, um, and what they felt about marriage and birth. All this will be covered as we're going through these passages of scripture. So. Think about, again, the context of what uh, Timothy is asked to do in Ephesus, dealing with the theological construct. And and I want us to pause there because that's going to be important for us applying God's word in our current context. What are the issues that we have to be able to apply um, to our present day society Um, that may some other societies later on or even before didn't have to deal with. So understanding context is very important. Uh, So let me go back to the passage of scripture in 1 Timothy 2. Actually, let me have uh, Lloyd, if you can read uh, starting at verse from 9 to 12 again. Okay. In like manner also,
1: that a woman adored themselves in modest apparel with propriety and moderation, not with braided hair or gold or pearls or costly clothing, but which is proper for women professing godliness with good work. Let a woman learn in silence with all submission. And I do not permit a woman to teach are to have authority over man, but be in silence. For Adam was formed first, then Eve. And Adam was not deceived, but the woman, being deceived, fell into transgressions. Nevertheless, she will be saved in childbearing if they continue in faith, love,
0: holiness with self-control. Amen. So let's deal with the first part of that. So women, remember the context. So this one way of looking at it is what does Paul not mean? What is he not saying? So that's one approach that you can take is, no, in all of how Paul addresses women, what are some things that we know about what Paul teaches? In Christ, there is neither Jew nor Gentile, bond or free, but we are all one in Christ. So is Paul saying something different here than what he teaches elsewhere? And you can go through various letters where he commends Phoebe and Junia. And so there's a lot of things that we say, well, other places he says one thing. So is he contradicting himself or what's going on. That's why it's important to know context. So why do you think he's talking about adorning themselves in respectable apparel with modesty and self-control? What do you think was happening in that culture? Well, if you have, if you don't know, now you know. That was a, a symbol for-, for the women then to, in a sense, model their allegiance to the goddess Artemis. So he's not saying, um, not that you have braided hair cornrows whatever is you can't do that so he's really talking about making a distinction between yourselves and the society that you live in because this is not what you're all about adorn themselves in respectable apparel not with with modesty and self-control not with braided hair gold pearls costly attire um, and we know that people wear that, but w- what is the association with that? For that culture, it was saying that you're in alliance with Artemis, the goddess Artemis, and you're promoting what she is all about. And it, it's interesting because the next statement is but what is proper for women who profess? godliness what do you think about that statement but what is proper for women who profess godliness is this a directive guideline principle law what is paul what do you think that paul is getting at and then who defines what is proper talk to me what is proper for women who profess godliness?
2: Well, uh, the culture we live in defines what's appropriate, and it sounds like. I'll touch your microphone. It sounds like. That society somewhat reflects this society because if we think about it, hold on a second.
0: Y'all,
2: you, you all okay over there? Uh, Benita's phone is going crazy anyway. <laughs> uh, yeah, but, uh, if you think about it nowadays, in most holiness churches, they have these dictates that say that women are supposed to be from head to shoulders, from a head to feet in clothing, no skin show, and no wearing of jewelry or lipsticks, things like that. So in this context, they're talking about basically the same thing. Because the women that were uh, worshipping Diana, uh, which is almost a prostitute uh, cult, uh, dressed like that. So he's saying to the Christian woman, don't dress like that because you don't want to identify yourself with them.
0: Okay. What, what else? What else? What is proper? Who defines what is proper?
1: I think um, modesty and decency. Um, you just want to present yourself as a woman of God. I don't think it matters if you wear earrings or or brazen in your hair. It's all about um, how you present yourself. Humble, you know, um, dress decently and modestly. Um, just presenting yourself as a woman of God.
4: Okay. And I think if you have a relationship with God, spiritual discernment will just about let you know, a female know when she's maybe dressing a little bit, maybe out of place for a certain situation. But you have to have that kind of consciousness, I guess is what I would call it. Okay.
0: Okay. Go ahead. You,
4: Pastor, said, asked the question, who determines? Yes. The woman does. Mm-hmm. In oh. my I think yeah. she does, just like Francis and Charlene just said, she knows what she wants to, uh, she knows prayerfully and um, in her heart what would be acceptable to God and would likewise be acceptable in his house or in his Uh, Presence, which is everywhere. I think the woman determines that.
5: Okay, one other thing, too, Pastor. I like to interject is conservativeness in a Christian woman. Uh, You don't want to present yourself, okay, as portrayed back in the days of um, the Old Testament. You know, some more that call themselves or whores or harlots, and you didn't want to, women don't want, of God don't normally want to express or, or identify themselves in that particular way. Well, that applies to the day as well. You don't want to um, present yourself in a way that would entice more or less men to look at your figure or part, Body parts
2: mm-hmm.
5: and cause you to to fall into sin, and if you are in that situation, I think a lady of God would recognize that.
0: That that probably needs to get un, unpacked a little bit more, um, because what I think I heard was the woman determines or defines that. So is that that in a sense is talking about Empowerment, Um, so let let me go a little bit deeper. Now, does culture influence our view of what is proper? I see a couple of heads nodding. Everyone else, I can't see you. So I don't see any hands, (laughs) emoji hands raised or um, so.
2: What do you
5: define define culture?
2: uh, What you mean? uh, I mean, talking about church culture.
0: No, Uh, no, 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 no. I'm 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 talking about I'm talking about culture as a whole. um, Our beliefs, our music, our patterns, our thought process—all that's part of the culture. So, if I were to say, "What is the American culture?" we would take all that into account so the context that we live in is we are in the American culture well what does that mean how does that influence of what is proper That's, let me just restate that we are in the American culture of 2022 mm-hmm. we're not in the American culture of 1955 right. Would you say that there's been a difference in those ulti- that, that amount of years? Yes Yes, yes. Okay. So culture does have an impact on how we view things. For example, um, flip-flops or sliders. I don't you would probably see them at the, the beach years ago. Yeah. But they are high. (laughs) They are high fashion. So they they, the culture does influence how we see things. And all I'm doing is trying to get us to think about, you know, the 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 charge here. Is it? And I like what Paul did here. He says, what is proper? And I like what Deacon Brown said is the, the women defines that. That's something that Paul is challenging them to mark themselves out. As different. He doesn't say you have to wear this, this, and this. But in the cultural context you live in, you want to stand out and basically say, let your works speak for you. You're not identified by your outward adorning, but by your demonstrating of the presence of God in you through the works that you do. Yeah, uh,
4: the verse uh, 10 says, but with good
0: deeds appropriate for women who profess to worship God. Yes. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So let those things define you, not the outward adorning, but what comes out of you in terms of the manifestation of the spirit of God, which is where um, many of you started talking about in terms of the women helps to define that, but as the women defines that, being led by the spirit of God. Um, Anything else? Next, (laughs) let a woman learn quietly and with all submissiveness. Again, the culture was in the Artemis cult, so to speak. Um, Again, it was a a um, women-focused belief system. And so the cultural context is how they viewed femininity, how they viewed um, the Artemis, the order of creation. Um, And so there, it became a clash with, as the cultures were were blending. So what is it that let a woman learn quietly with all submissiveness, going back to before, what is proper? So let's look at that. What is, what is Paul, again, not saying, but also, what is he saying? Uh,
3: pastor, I, 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 I'm, I'm reading that and it would be that proper woman, but I'm like saying that one that is professing godliness with good works. Um, a lot of, a lot of women have not been taught that we have to check. We we make a change once we've accepted him as our Lord and savior. And that change comes with us walking in a godly way. I don't say it's got anything to do with clothing or- Okay. It's it's how we're carrying ourselves.
0: Let let me me pause for a moment. Is is this, is this or are these passages of scripture challenging us? Yes. yes. Somewhat,
3: yes, yes.
0: Yeah, and how, you know, and, and so I don't want to dismiss what we're thinking or how it's making us feel because these are some very powerful statements. It says let a woman learn quietly with all yes. submissiveness. So Mm -hmm. again, look at the balance between what Paul said elsewhere and what he's saying here. So what's the context? What is it about the perhaps the Artemis cult Mm -hmm. that he's trying to deal with to make a distinction? Already he's making this distinction between how the outward appearance. It's also in terms of relationship within the household. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's because submissiveness unfortunately um gets translated as subservient, and that's not what submission is all about at all. It's no. about a, it's about a mutual respect. It's trying to get the, the order from what God had created in the very beginning, male and female, he created them in the image of God. It's not like Adam was created in the image of God and then He was created in the image of man. That is not how it works. Male and female, he created them. They're created in the image of God. So he's really getting back to the the equality that women, you are not in this context. Remember, he's dealing with. So why is the emphasis on women? Well, that's the issue that they were dealing with
3: Mm -hmm. Um, so
0: so that they're not in contention with one another. Uh, but learning together and and growing in their faith together. Um, So again, Artemis, goddess of love and fertility, even to the point of that uh, it was considered um, one of the seven wonders of the ancient world. Um, She was considered queen of heaven. Um, And so there's a reversal here that he's trying to get back in balance that... um, it's not that the man is a priority. It's this is how God has created and bring it to equity versus women over men, nor men over women.
5: Yes. I it's think a, a little bit of, uh, uh, as far as being submissive, it's not, a, like you said, it's no, not a matter of man or woman, woman over man. It's being obedient, more or less, and submissive to God's will. You that's know, right. when it comes down to that aspect of of, of being uh humble and carrying yourself in a particular way because not only does women have to carry themselves, a man must carry himself in an honorable a, a way to set more or less the example. I think that's when he when he, he said about becoming first and woman coming along later, he meant that the man should set the example for her. And if you notice, in the in, in I think in the beginning, uh, when when the, Adam and Eve were in the garden, you know, Adam uh, abandoned her for a minute to do something, and she left her mm-hmm. alone to be enticed.
0: Am I right? Um, I don't know. I, <laughs> no. I think going, you, for me, you're going a little bit, you're going a little bit too far. Okay. Um, <laughs> that I like, I like to, I like to fill in. The blanks and and think about things, but I will not, I will not make it dogmatic to say that's exactly what happened. Certainly, I can think. Well, great. maybe maybe there's some truth to that, but I was not there. I don't know if uh, <laughs> Adam was on his cell phone or texting somebody and just got distracted. And because uh, what that, uh, let me just say what that would mean is that he was so dependent and powerless. That unless Adam was watching her, she couldn't think for herself. And remember, man and woman both were created in the image of God. So that's why I, I, I would say it sounds okay, but I don't know if I
5: want to go there. I'm just, I'm just, giving my, my opinion. Oh, <laughs> oh yeah, and that's
0: that's, and that's what I wanted to go. I wasn't there either, Pastor. <laughs> but but, but uh, I think when I heard you say that isn't that right? That's why I kind of say, I don't know. <laughs> so, yeah,
5: that's... that's I'll think about being submissive.
0: Yes, that, that's the... I think that's the main thing, and that's when you go back to Ephesians chapter five, and you normally see why submit to your husbands, and they start from there, but you have to go to the verse before, which talks about mutual submission. So, <laughs> submission has always been a theme within Paul. That's why you look, okay, what does Paul... Say elsewhere about submission is only to the women, no, but in again, in this context, he's dealing with an issue within the if the, the church at Ephesus. Yes, sir. Um, um go ahead.
3: May I, I was just going,
0: go oh, I'm sorry, have go ahead
3: from uh, from first Peter.
4: Go ahead, uh,
3: the third chapter, beginning with the third verse. Your beauty should not come from outward adornment, such as braided hair and the wearing of gold jewelry and fine clothes. Instead, it should be that of your inner self, the unfaded beauty of a gentle and quiet spirit, which is of great worth in God's sight. For this is the way the holy women of the past who put their hope in God used to make themselves beautiful They were submissive to their own husbands, Mm -hmm. like Sarah, who obeyed Abraham and called him her master. You are her daughters if you do what is right and do not give way to fear. So it's more about your inside than your outside. That's
0: That's right, right. that's right. Um, And and we can unpack that a little bit more, but I think that passage speaks for itself to look at that area of submission Um, And that's the whole package. I do not allow women... Oh, no, I'm sorry. Deacon Brown, go ahead. Oh,
4: no, I I totally agree. I was just going to say that this is an example of what we're doing is uh, studying, not just reading. Because when I read it for the first time, I thought, "Mm," but then, I mean, this is full transparency. And I was trying to get a contextual understanding but now that we have discussed it, it is clear to me that it's not women were to be seen and not heard That's in, right. this, in this learning situation. But I'm, I'm looking at the uh, translation from message that says, I don't let women take over and tell men what to do. They should study to be quiet and obedient along with everyone else. Mm-hmm. And then it goes on to talk about the... the uh, Order in which creation took place, but it 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 is not putting women under the thumb of men.
5: No,
0: right. But
4: under the um, I guess the, the I don't even know what the word is right. It's,
0: now. it's Paul is equal. dealing with this this equality issue. Yeah,
4: yeah.
0: Much much before it became in in vogue, it's just that the rollout just took <laughs> took a long time. Right. Um, Right. So if you use something in that particular translation, or paraphrase in the message Bible, it's very interesting. And that's why I said before, you look at definition and how words are used. There's a a Greek word that's usually used for Mm -hmm. authority. And it's the word is exousia. That's the normal word that's used. In this text, they use a different word. And it's the Greek word is a thon, a thentin, or something like that. I'm not pronouncing it correctly. So that, then you have to wonder, well, why does he use this word when the normal word is exousia versus Well, he uses has to do with, just like that translation says, it's more of an abuse of power. Mm-hmm. So what is, again, going back to the culture again, the, the reversal of the society is how they viewed women, women's role. Um, and that's not what he said. This is not, men are not to be abusive, nor are women to be abusive. They are to be in mutual submission to another. So it's not just having authority and having a, an abusive power, but they are to learn together. And here's what he's, so teach what? the teaching that he was countering was the false teaching or the understanding of creation, the mm-hmm. biblical order of creation, God created the heavens and earth. And he states, Adam was formed first. And then Eve, well, why does he do that? Because in that culture, it was the goddess who was formed first and then came man. So he's trying to get them to say, no, this is not how it works. This is the order of creation. And it's not the man who I can't remember the name it was Addis or something like that is the one that brang fault. It was actually Eve, and so he's balancing it out, not to blame Eve, but going back to what is it, how is it that God created? This is the biblical. Uh, this is the biblical order. Okay, let me pause here for a moment. I'm gonna ignore my alarm in case you heard it. I just need an extra five minutes tonight Um, because I think this is important for us to cover Um, I don't want to gloss over it but to to not to teach those things that are contrary because there was even a teaching about where what did he tell Adam and Eve to be fruitful and what multiply multiply well there was also a teaching about celibacy in marriage uh, Mm -hmm. denying themselves from one another so that's That's the whole thing that he's talking about is that's not what God intended at all. This is the order of creation. And this is what he wants you to be able to do. And let's learn, learn, but also we're going to counter the false teaching uh, that is going on. Uh, So that's a very uh, powerful thing that he does. And finally, the last thing that he talks about is, and women will be saved in childbirth. Now, where does, what does Paul teach about salvation? Salvation is what? It's free. Okay, it's free. What else? By faith.
5: faith.
0: By faith, what, what else? So, Ephesians 2, 8, 9. Salvation by grace okay. through faith. Okay. When mm-hmm. he was dealing with Galatians, it's not through the church at Galatia. It's not through circumcision. It's uh-huh. by grace through Jesus Christ. Amen. Now, do you think that all of a sudden he is talking about that? The only way that women can be saved is through bearing children. Oh. No. So he can't be talking about that because that is anti what Paul would say. So what, what is he getting at? Well, again, going back to the goddess Artemis, it was a fertility cult. And it would, they gave her tribute for watching over women in birth, protecting them, um, and so that they will be that it was Artemis that would preserve the family to so know that's not how it works. Basically, you're saying that that is a myth. God is the one as as you continue in faith, and purity Amen. and following after the Lord. That's God is the one that's going to keep you. Amen. He's got he's got this. It's not Artemis, but God is the one. Um, as you continue in faith it's not you know one way of looking at it is if you continue but um, it could be also translated as you continue and so you continue in what not bearing children but as you continue in what faith faith so that's what he's getting at not um, some translators say it's uh, the birth of Jesus Christ um, you know or it's that he'll just but it's it's basically saying that God is in control. All these things that you heard about Artemis, those are false. Oh. God is the one who brings you life. God is the one who brings you in relationship with one another. Don't try to reverse or, or try to bring in another teaching that does not give glory to God. Even in bringing and being fruitful and multiplying, that's not up to Artemis. God is the one that produces that. So trust in him and all things in your life. So it's not a prohibition against women teaching. It's not a subservient of women. It's more of countering the false teaching to bring it in line with God's word. The context is. That's why I say the context is very important.
5: And us so not forget about the Holy Spirit as well, Pastor.
0: Oh yes, yes, yes. I mean, it's, uh, it's, it's confidence. It's by grace, Mm -hmm. through faith in Jesus Christ, Mm -hmm. sealed by the Holy Spirit. All of that, it comes into play, but it's not Artemis and the belief system that would bring about confusion and division, divisiveness. This is what God did. He has it under control. And this is what I want you, Timothy, to teach them so all this confusion can be cut through and that... You, we can live a godly life in our society. Amen. I'm going to stop there. Amen. I'm going to stop there. So, we covered some of our uh, verse eight and then nine through 15. Uh, we'll actually next week go back up to verse one through eight again. So, that'll be for next week. But I pray that this has been helpful and, and challenging. And one of the things that um, and I appreciate, I think it was Deacon Brown said earlier, is not simply reading the words on the page, but wrestling with them and not, um, sometimes when it's difficult, not just dismissing them, but you know, allow them to speak to our hearts. And let me close with this and not to counter anything I've said so far. There are, there are many other ways that people look at this passage. So what I have tried to do is give you uh, a perspective, and how you can approach the scripture. And I pray that you uh, will be challenged to dig even deeper yourself, um, because this is not one of those, again, if this has been a contention from early church up to now, it will be pretty vain on my part to think that I have answered all the questions. So I, I want you to continue to study in this particular issue and see know what God is, how God is speaking to and through us. Amen. 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 God be the glory. Amen. Um, We're going to get ready to pray. And the first thing I want us to do, and
2: we have